Everybody knows the song, Jesus Loves Me? Oh, sure. This is one, Jesus Loves Me, for seniors. Jesus loves me, this I know, though my hair is white as snow. Though my sight is growing dim, still he bids me trust in him. Though my steps are oh so slow, with my hand in his I'll go. On through life, let come what may, he'll be there to lead the way. Pretty good so far, huh? Yeah, yeah. When the nights are dark and long, in my heart he puts a song. Telling me in words so clear, have no fear, for I am near. When my work on earth is done, and life's victories have been won, He will take me home above, then I'll understand His love. I love Jesus, does He know? Have I ever told Him so? Jesus loves to hear me say that I love Him every day. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible still tells me so. I knew you'd like that. Turn in your Bible to the book of Luke in chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. There's times when you wonder whether or not, just what, what is faith? Now we know that faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So we read the Word of God and study the Word of God so that our faith can grow. And faith is simply believing what God said. Believing that what He promised, He will perform. It's so easy to say that, isn't it? I have faith in the Lord. And then we worry, 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 worry. Well, have you ever had to turn things over to the Lord and let God work it out? You know, like sending a daughter off to Bible college and have to trust the Lord to take care of that poor little tyke. And you wonder whether or not, have, have you taught her enough to be able to stand between her and the Lord and against the world? And, uh, well, sometimes you have to see if that uh, training pays off. Can they stand on their own? Sometimes they, they fail. Sometimes they totally succeed. And you stand back and you have to watch and wait. And that's a trying time. And, uh, or they go to school and so on. Sometimes when you have a little kid that's got to go to K4, K5, and uh, they, they scream all the way there. <laughs> they scream before you leave them there. And you got to walk away and get in your car and, and leave them there, and they're just crying bloody murder. And you wonder whether or not, no, I can't stand it. It's not so much that the kid can, the parents can't stand it. But sometimes we wonder whether or not, you don't love me, you don't love me. I remember little Eddie, when I used to leave the house, he'd cry if I didn't kiss him by it wasn't long before he cried if I did. And so you, you've got times in your life where you, you, know, you have to grow up to. You have to learn how to trust the Lord. And sometimes God takes things away from us so that we are forced to go to the Lord. It's interesting that he uses a wonderful illustration here in the Scripture. Two of them, really. And I want you to look there in chapter 18 and verse 1 where he says, And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray, not to faint. Now, we know when we read over there in the book of Hebrews, when it says, not to faint. And the reason God has to chasten some of his children, because he says, faint not, faint not. But some people do faint. That means they quit. They lose heart. They lose a dream. They lose vision. They just stop. And so sometimes God has to kind of put some sharp sticks in the little nest and, 
and force you to get out of that nest. And uh, we call it today getting outside of our comfort zone. There's areas of our life where we just feel so comfortable and, and don't rock the boat. Don't do anything. Leave me alone. I'm fine the way I am. But you, you don't know it, but you didn't walk into a grave and all you got to do is just kick in the dirt. You've already been buried. You're already dead. And sometimes it says in the scriptures to wake up, come alive. You're not dead yet because you're still here. And like I said before, if you've got a pulse, you've got a purpose. But he says here in this verse, men ought always to pray, not to faint. So if you was to pray, does that mean that you shouldn't faint? That's what I would get out of this verse. Men ought always to pray, not to faint. The reason people faint, they lose heart, they lose vision, is because they don't pray to God. They don't talk to the Lord. And so sometimes God has to send you something really hard and difficult to deal with, so it forces you to pray to the Lord. If there's anything God wants, He wants His children to talk to Him. And uh, you'd be surprised what God does to get you and I to come and talk to Him. So it's an important thing. We need to talk to the Lord. Now look what he says. Saying, there was in a city a judge, which feared not God, neither regarded man. Sound like a pretty good judge. But he was an unjust judge. But he was a judge. I don't know if he was a believing judge, but he didn't fear God, and he didn't fear man either. So it says here in verse 3, and there was a widow in that city. And she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. So somebody's done her wrong. She doesn't have a husband. She's having to take matters into her own hands. And somebody uh, ought to get it, whatever it is. Now, I would have loved to have known just what was the problem. But then it says in verse 4, And he would not for a while, but afterwards he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, Yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her, and you ought to continual coming, she weary me. Now, that's a pretty good... This one guy said, you know, my, my wife is not a, a nag, but she does go to the blacksmith shop to get her shoes. Well, you know, you've got to be careful how you say things. And... Here is a woman that would not let go. She was like a pit bull. She knew what she wanted, and she was not going to quit. And she kept on until she just about wearied the judge. And he was an unjust judge. But he said to himself, i got to do what this woman wants done, or she's never going to stop. He said, what's this got to do? What's the story about? It's about verse 1. Men ought always to pray. It means that you don't stop, you don't quit, you don't let go. Because if you do, then you might get disheartened. But what is praying? I wrote it down in my notes. Praying is a sign of faith. The reason you pray is because you believe your prayer is going to do something with God. So sometimes, you know, it changes not God, but prayer changes you. But God is interested in one thing from you, and that's your faith. Can God see His children? Yes. Can God see the faith that His children have? Yes. That's how we were saved. Because, you see, we weren't saved by our works. We're saved just by our faith. 
So then God must be able to see faith. And God says there, and I want you to see this in verse 8. He said, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. And Christ coming back again goes back to the previous chapter. He just spent that whole chapter, or at least half of the chapter, talking about the Son of Man is coming back. And he talks to him about how it's going to be. See there in verse 26 of chapter 18, or 17? And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the Son of Man. They eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, the flood came, destroyed them all. Likewise, all as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat and they drank, they bought and they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. But the question is, will he find faith or when he comes? And when he's talking about finding faith, he's talking about, will there be anybody praying to him? Does anybody care what God thinks about anything? Do you ever think, what does God want for my life? Or we always just pray when there's something we want for our life. Or do you say, well, I don't need God right now because everything is fine. Do you know when everything is fine is one of the times when you need to be most careful. Because that's when it's easier to fall. When everything is fine. I don't need God. I don't need to pray now. And yet, so God has to send you some trouble to get you to do it. But what if you were to stay and keep praying, talking to the Lord, and realizing that even in good times, you still need to do the will of God? What is it that God wants you to do? Maybe you got a lot of money. Okay, now you still need to pray. But what does God want you to do with it? You should make it right and save it right and spend it right, invest it right. You still got to do right. Everybody has to do right. So he goes down through there and he talks about, hey, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. And so some will be taken and some will not be taken. But this is talking about when he comes back at the end of the tribulation period. Now, let's get back over there to this little story that he's telling. So he says in verse 6, And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said, And shall not God avenge his own elect, his children, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? You see, during the tribulation period, it's going to be very, very bad. And there's going to be a lot of persecution upon the children of Israel. People are going to try to totally destroy the nation of Israel. Well, Jesus is going to come back because He hears their cries. He hears their prayers. But you see, whenever He sent Moses down into Egypt, it was because the Lord had endured a long time of their crying unto him. And he says, I hear the voice of my people. And so he sent Moses, said, tell Pharaoh, let my people go. But it's because they cried unto God, and he heard their plea. Well, he did it for them, and toward the end of the tribulation period, if God doesn't intervene, see, the Jewish people will be wiped off the face of the earth. But Christ comes back, they see him, and they believe on Him. And so Israel is born in a day, saved in a day. And that's in the book of Romans in chapter 11. Now look what he says here. 
He says in verse 8, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. You see, Israel believes on him once he comes. And they see the scars in his hands and in his feet. And they say, where would you get those? And according to the book of uh, Zechariah 13, he says, when I came in the house of my friends. That's when it happened. He got him the first time he came. And then they believed on him. But you see, is there people that, even today, really have a lot of confidence and faith in God and ask God for things? It's important that you do it. So then he's teaching them that men ought always to pray, all the time. Good times, bad times. When you have, when you don't have. But always pray. And then he makes this statement. He said, let me tell you another story. So look there now in verse 9. So in verse 9, he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves. So now there's people who trust in themselves that they are righteous. Have you ever heard of anybody that does something like that? There's people who go to all kinds of churches, there's all kinds of preachers, and they trust that they're good enough to go. They trust in themselves that they are righteous they're good enough to get to go. But the Bible teaches something totally contrary, that no man can trust in himself for his righteousness. So then, then he gives us an illustration of what he's talking about. Because, see, you're not going to trust Christ as your Savior. If you believe, you can save yourself. So you're not going to put your faith in Christ. You're going to put your faith in yourself. And that's why a lot of people think that, you know, if I go to church and if I live good and I do all these good things, that's good enough. So they're putting their faith in their performance, how they're going to live. So Jesus addresses this. But look how simple and clear he is. Why anybody would think they can get to heaven by their good works is beyond me. Look what he says. He spake this parable unto certain which trusted in himself. Now, he's going to tell a story about two people, but the two people are not the ones that were certain and trusting in themselves. It was people that he knew that were there that trusted in themselves that they were righteous, and so he's addressing those certain people. And he says that they were righteous and despised others. Always remember, if you trust in your righteousness... Because you're so good, you have to compare it with somebody. Now, if you trust in your own righteousness that you're so good, you're not going to compare yourself with the Lord. So you must compare yourself with someone else. Someone who is not doing as much as you. I'm better than her or him. I go to church more than they do. I give more than they do. And I pray more than they do. And I, and I, and I, and I. Because, you see... When you are exalting yourself, you must have to degrade somebody else and put somebody else down and despise them. So does God in heaven see all of this? Of course he sees it all. Jesus is telling this story. And he's talking about faith. What do you believe? They believed that they were righteous in themselves. So he says here in verse 10, Two men went up into the temple to pray. The one a Pharisee, and the other one's a publican. Now, what's a publican? Now, that's a tax collector. 
works for the Roman government, but Jewish, and so they would take the money and pay taxes to the federal government. So they were tax collectors. And so if you had anybody you despised, it was a tax collector. Isn't that about the way it is today? I mean, how many people really are in love with the IRS? But you've got to pay taxes, so somebody's got to collect them. Woe to the man that does. <laughs> but it has nothing to do with salvation or whatever. But he says there's two men, a Pharisee and a publican. Then he says there in verse 11, The Pharisee stood and he prayed. But who did he pray to? He didn't pray to God. It says that he prayed to himself or with himself. And God, I thank thee. But he's not talking to God. He's talking to himself. To hear himself. Because God despises this kind of a prayer. But does God hear? God can hear everything that everybody says. But now look how exalted this self-righteous Pharisee is. He thinks he is so much better. And look how goody-goody two-shoes he is. If anybody goes to heaven, surely he ought to go to heaven. So he says, the Pharisee stood and he prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are. Now, isn't that a wonderful prayer? I'm so glad I'm not bad like everybody else. <laughs> well, you may be glad that you're not like everybody else, but to exalt yourself and think you're so much better than everybody, uh, God, see, doesn't appreciate it because he, he thought he was righteous in himself and that he was justified before God because of all his good deeds. And that's not the case. So he says here, I thank thee that I am not as other men are. Extortioners, unjust. Well, because you see, the publican probably had to use a little extortion, getting taxes out of people. Because a lot of times people don't want to pay them. And they usually have sometimes a few extra go with them. And they have to shake them down and shake down businesses. And, you know, kind of like the mafia does. Have you ever heard of the mafia? Yeah. But look what he says here. He says, unjust adulterers. Boy, I'm, not, I'm glad I'm not like them. He says, and even as this publican. as this, So they were there at the same time. And look how much better I am than him. Now, generally, if they went to the temple, they weren't the only two there. There's probably the place could have been packed. And for a Pharisee to exalt himself in front of others, it's so that others can hear how good and righteous they are and how much better they are than somebody else. But anyway, he says in verse 12, I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess, a tithe of the tenth. And in some cases, they had to give as much as 35%. But he said, I give tithes of all that I possess. And then the publican, the old tax collector, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. In other words, what he's saying would be merciful. I'm not worthy. That means I am not worthy. I'm not good enough. I am a sinner. I do not qualify. I am not a just man. I am not good to go. So that's what he was saying. But the Lord 
sees into the heart of every individual. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Verse 14, I tell you, this man, the publican, went down to his house, and you ought to underline that word, justified, rather than the other one. But now he's talking to people that should see and should understand this. But not everybody sees. Not everybody understands what Christ is saying. But he makes a statement here. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. So does God want people to pray? Yeah. Did he want these people to pray? Well, yeah. But does everybody pray according to the will of God? No. So God says, I want you to pray because, as he says in verse 1, men ought always to pray. So we have an example of a, a woman praying, and we have an example of two men praying. And um, some good, some bad. But the thing is, when he says up here, always to pray, then he talks about the woman. Yes, she prayed, but it was her continual coming that did the job. It's talking to the Lord means to continually keep coming to the Lord. Keep praying, keep asking, keep talking to Him. And keep believing. You don't know at what point God will answer your request. I don't know all the things there is to deal with this thing about prayer. But I know that there's a God in heaven that answers prayer. For example, I did this in ranch one night. And I had a, uh, a curtain up there with a, a big old board. Like we got out there in the fellowship hall. Those things that's on wheels like a little divider. And I had somebody on the other side. And I'd already done, chose a few items. And I says, um, we can't tell if anybody's on the other side. Because wherever they were sitting, you couldn't tell if somebody's on the other side. I says, but I believe there's somebody on the other side. And so I'm going to ask whoever's on the other side. And I said, the Lord. And we're going to ask God to, you know, answer my prayer. So I said, Lord, give me a tennis shoe. Here comes a tennis shoe, lands right beside me. <laughs> then I asked the Lord for a golf ball. Here comes the golf ball. And I don't know, about four or five things that I had. And here it comes flying over the thing. I says, now, every time I ask for something and it comes over that thing, I says, after a while, you'll become convinced there is somebody on the other side. I says, but most people never ask God for anything, so they never really know. They just say, Lord, bless me, uh, give me things, but nothing in particular, so that if they don't get it, it won't be because, well, I didn't ask specifically for that. But would you go to the grocery store, walk up to the manager, say, I need some groceries? He says, there's shelves. Get what you want. So you go get what you want. God is on the other side. Just because you can't see God. After all these years that you've been saved, are you convinced there's somebody on the other side that answers your prayers? And if you're not, it's sometimes because you haven't asked specifically to God for something you really need. He says, you have not because you asked not. Well, why didn't I get a golf ball? God says, you didn't ask. 
Well, didn't you know I wanted it? He said, you have not because you asked not. Well, that's what he said. And then he also says in James chapter 1, a double-minded man. Give me a golf ball. No, 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 I changed that. Uh, give me uh, a football. No, 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 no. Uh, beach ball. Uh, no, no, no. God says, you're not going to get anything. I mean, that's the book. Because you ask amiss. You're double-minded. He says, let that man not think he shall receive anything. And so a lot of people may know, yeah, I believe there's God on the other side. But they never pray and they never go to God. And so they miss out. Now let me give you one last thought here. He makes a statement in verse 15 about a little kid. A little bitty kid. In verse 15, and they brought unto him infants. This is an infant. That he would touch them. But when his disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called unto them, and he says, Suffer little children to come unto me. It means permit, allow the little children to come unto me. And forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. And you'll read in quite a few places, also over there in Luke chapter 17, it's mentioned there in verse 21, when he talks about the kingdom of God is within you. In other words, the new birth is on the inside. The new birth is a spiritual birth. The new birth is like a little child being born. A little child. And it said you become as a little child. It means as the faith of a little child. The new birth is something that you believe God for. It's not because you stand in the temple and you exalt yourself because I did this and this and this and this and this. No, it's going to be like... The old tax collector, I am unworthy. And by faith alone, he went down to his house justified. So we can understand there's teaching that God put. And all these are right there in this same chapter. It's what's so neat. And it's simple, it's clear. And so he says in verse 17, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child shall in no wise enter therein. He says the same thing in John chapter 3. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You can't enter into the kingdom of God unless you've been born again like a little child. And Nicodemus, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? It's a spiritual birth, and it's on the inside. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you for blessing us and giving such clarity in your word about things that are sometimes so complicated. But Father, you say for us to... Always pray. Always pray, lest we faint. We lose heart. We lose vision. And Father, we just pray your will to be done. Thank you for this ministry and all you've done for us. In Christ's name, amen.